Welcome to Oaken Bros. This is Eric. And I'm Michael. And if you want to learn about the secrets of the universe, the law of attraction, mysticism, brohood, gambling, movies, pop culture, Vegas, archangels, magic, good food, business, health, family, medium shit. And uh, I already said Vegas. So smash that subscribe button, hit the thumbs up and press the noti icon and spread this video around like um, uh, uh, oil and vinegar on a nice Italian hoagie. I like it. So today we have on Gino Munari. Gino has decades of experience in matters relating to gambling, casino operations, scams, swindles, cheats, the mafia, and the business side of magic. He has an upcoming book titled The Dunes Hotel, The Mob, The Connections, The Stories. Check out GinoMunari.com for more information. Thank you for coming on, Gino. Well, thanks for inviting me, Eric and Michael. Appreciate that. We're super excited. We've known Gino for a very, very long time. Um, and I got to say, I wasn't planning on starting with this, but we were at uh, uh, at Paul at Paul's lake house. Well, hold and, on. Just give a little. No, no, no. I want to finish this. And you, right. Gino's a magician. Among many other things, he owns the Houdini Magic Shops in Vegas. He writes books. Really prolific businessman, entrepreneur, the whole nine yards. And he was holding court in the room and you were just, you were having cards magically appear out of your hands and your pockets. And you must've thrown two, 300 cards, two, 300 cards yeah. all over the house. And I just, I just remember that. And like, ever since then, like I love magic. Um, just absolutely unbelievable. Um, my first question, Gino. That, that was more of a comment. That was know? a comment because I, I, I've i been wanting to tell you that for, I mean, we haven't spoken in years and I just, I, I wanted to say that story. Um, my first question, Gino, uh, one of my favorite characters in any movie ever made is Lester Diamond. In your book, you have a whole chapter dedicated to that character in the From movie. From the movie Casino. Casino, right. Uh, did the movie do him justice? What, what's that, what was that guy really like? Well, as you know, the movie was finished before the book was finished. I don't know if you were aware of that. I didn't know that. Legi was uh, yeah. writing the book as he was making. They were making the movie. Lester Diamond, uh, who's played by James Woods, in my opinion, was John Johnny Hicks. John John Hicks, and John Hicks was the son, uh, an adopted son of Marion Hicks, who was the founder of the Thunderbird Hotel, and of course the El Cortez, who was connected with Meyer Lansky. He was Meyer Lansky's partner. They were they were like two fingers crossed together. Johnny, I met Johnny when I broke in gambling downtown uh, at the California Club, the old California Club, not the California Hotel, but the California Club, who was owned by my cousin Frank Skiva, also Paul Casella's cousin. And that's how Paul came to Vegas because of Frank Skiva. And Skiva came from Montana with Milton Prell, uh, who had a jewelry shop in Butte, Montana. Skivo's mother and father, Emma and, he, and Pete, had a restaurant, and they became friends in Montana. They, uh, Prells loved Italian food, and Emma cooked wonderful Italian food. Anyway, Frankie went to work for Milton in the jewelry shop in the back room in the Kino department. They, be, they became He came like a father and son to him, actually. Milton never had a son, and he brought Frankie with him to Las Vegas, and they opened up the Club Bingo, which is where the Sahara Hotel sits now it's still the sahara by the way they changed it one time now it's back to the sahara at, on the corner of las vegas boulevard and uh sahara avenue okay and frankie was down there with him and then 
the club bingo had some issues. It burned down. They were very successful, by the way. That was the county line just outside the city. So they could do things that the people in the city couldn't do. They used to fill the place every night. And, of course, as you know, Sahara was the place of every great star. They built a wonderful place there, Don Rickles. You name them. They were all there. Uh, so uh, am I getting off track here? Hold on. No, no. We're just, no. just, we're just going to we're just gonna I, let you go. This is fascinating. And, yeah. And so, so that's how, how I went to work. I went to work in the Sahara in the lowest possible position as a busboy. In 1964, I was going to UNLV, taking accounting and finance. And uh, uh, one day the hostess says, hey, we need someone in the dealer's room to serve the dealers. So she shifted me back in this little area, the back of the coffee shop, and I served the dealers every 20 minutes. So my shift wound up to be 11 at night to 7 in the morning, and I never had a break. All I did was get, get coffee and you know serve the dealers. I got to know who was who and who drank what. And when I saw him coming in the door, I already had it ready for him. And I made decent money as a kid. You know, I didn't gamble, didn't drink, and, and had, had a, a great time there. And then went to work for Skivo in 1966 or 60. I think it was 66. Yeah, I think so. At the California Club. And uh, and then they had the also had the Elwell Hotel, which is a block away. And they had the Pioneer Club across the street. At the Elwell Hotel, by the way, they had a crap game that had dime chips, okay? In other words, the chips were 10 cents each. So for like $20, you could get a stack of chips. looked like you had a million bucks, and they were black, you know? Right. And these, these bums would make place bets all over the table, you know, make bets. And then one of their friends would take the dice and throw them. But they would try to knock the chips over with so they could make a claim. Oh, no, I had 50 cents there instead of 30 cents, you know? I mean, that's oh we had a sign outside, by the way. This was a classic sign, no spitting on the sidewalk. I'll, I'll never forget that, you know. And it was a great place to break in. And that, that's where I met Johnny Hicks downtown. And Johnny and I became friends. We were the same, almost the same age. He was just a, maybe a year or two older than me. And uh, he was just like a neat guy. He was a golfer. I took up golfing again. Uh, and... Uh, We'd meet at the golf course sometimes at the driving range, and we became friends. And then I'd meet him when we were out at a, a local nightclub called Dirty Sally's, which is uh, where the Rose Bowl Sportsbook is, was, wow. uh, just behind the wind. And uh, he was a neat guy. And uh, uh, one time, uh, you know, he had that th he had a Cadillac convertible, just like the movie. Yeah, they had that right part right. And you asked me if they treated him correctly. I don't think they did exactly, because that was just a movie. Right. And some of the guys that uh, assisted in making the movie didn't like Johnny because of what happened later in life. Wow. Later in life, Johnny was involved in a scam. And, and I, don't, I was not involved in this. I want to be honestly clear about this. I'm not trying to take a duck here. That's not it. But I, I didn't know about it. But he was involved in a scam called the Chip Cup Scam. And the Chip Cup was a little, a little device that looked like a stack of four chips, okay, four or $5 chips, four red chips, so to speak. But actually, there was a cup that were three high that fit over three chips. They were slightly bigger than the, the chip, but it fit over the top of any chips. So then they put a real chip on top of the cup. So the guy who was in the scam would come up to a crap game and make a one-roll decision bet, like a field bet. 
And if the field won, they'd pay him $20. The guy would leave the cup in the field. But then when the field lost, the associate of the guy betting the chip would pick it up, stack it on top of the hundreds real quickly, take it back and put it back on the fives, okay? And now the guy would throw another 20 in for change. This guy would reach in for four chips and give him those four chips, which actually had 300 inside and a real chip on top. It's hard to imagine that. Gino, are these days are these days over in Vegas? Like, are 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 the good no. old days over, or are these things still happening? Well, no. There's two things you talked about here. The days in Vegas, uh, those oh, the cheating things, sure they go on by the outside, the inside, and everyone else. There's no question about that. But as far as the days in Vegas, where the owners were the hosts and the owners were the immediate contact that you had, those days are over with. Now you have guys. They don't even want to know who the customers are. They right. hide in the corporate offices and spend the money. <laughs> Gino, I have a question in regards to the scam. In the movie Casino, you know, if there's one piece of history that I can go and live back at, if I could be a part of, it would be in Vegas in the 60s and 70s. No doubt in my mind. Hollywood in like great. the 80s, like the mid-80s, and Vegas in the 60s and 70s, if I could time travel. In Casino, where De Niro caught the guy cheating in in blackjack and they used his head as a, you know, they, they, they did the saw and they hammered his hand and everything is, was that accurate? Was that real? Well, I, I think you got the story a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit different than what, what happened actually in the movie. Uh, okay. They didn't, De Niro didn't put that guy in there for cheating. He was for something else. There was never a dealer caught in the movie cheating. There was okay. only a time when Spilatro was playing in the stardust and, uh, he was mad at the card the dealer dealt him. He threw it at him and stuck on his shirt. But he wasn't the dealer wasn't cheating. Right. By the way, I, I was around Spilatro. He was came in and out of the dunes, and he was told he couldn't go in there anymore. Really? Yeah. Spilatro, Spilatro uh, his brother was the head of Little League. My son used to play on the team. Oh you know, so uh, I mean, I and, and I speak to uh, Spilatro's brother that was killed with him. I speak to his son on a, almost a daily basis. He's a nice kid. You know, you can't blame his, his son for what his father did or, or his uncle right. did. Right. Dominic uh, was the brother in the movie, I remember. He spit in the sandwich when the cops came to the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. That was a that was a guy I, I can't remember exactly what he did, but he did something. Right. And they, they put him in a in a in a vice and they popped his eye out, I guess. Right. Uh, but you know, but but that was you know, Spilatro got blame for a lot of things and i'm not 100 percent sure that he killed that i think that he killed johnny hicks or had somebody kill him somebody right. did kill him from that group because they were mad about him for a couple of reasons and that might have been one of the reasons he was killed but another reason why he might have been killed is this johnny hicks was out one evening at a place called big al's speakeasy which was on the second floor of the flamingo hotel it was right over the uh port there was a, there was a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the guy, uh, the guy that parks your cars. What do you valet. The valet. The valet. Right. Yeah, I can't lose my mind today. The valet okay. was a guy by the name of Eddie Anderson. Okay. And there was a book. There was a book written called, uh, I, I got to get you the title, but anyway, a book was written by a guy by the name of, uh, EA something Anderson. And, I try to contact this writer because he talks about the chip scam in his book. Okay. 
And he talks about how Johnny Hicks uh, got indicted and arrested for killing uh, a guy by the name of Bob Murphy, who was a cheater. And Bob Murphy, this is a crazy thing, was a roommate of a, of a district judge in Las Vegas. Now, the judge wasn't gay or anything like that. He was This guy Murphy was uh, a great hustler. He was a golf hustler, a card hustler. In any event, um, there's a very good chance that he was, that Johnny was killed, you know, for the chip cup. But as I was saying back to the speakeasy, Johnny was up at the speakeasy with some friends. And in comes Lefty Rosenthal, who was Robert De Niro in the movie The Casino. Right. And his Johnny, Johnny Hicks's ex-girlfriend, uh, uh, Jerry. And Lefty was either married to her then or was going to get married to her. And they were together. And so she sees Johnny or Johnny sees him. and He's dancing with her and Lefty gets jealous. Words were tossed around. They got into a physical fight. And from what I understand, a guy that was around told me that Johnny was kicking the hell out of uh, Lefty Rosenthal. Right. And I believe that was might have been the reason he was killed. More, even more than the chip cam so, scam. So Nobody Sh- knew about the chip scam. Sharon Stone's character was real? Jerry. Oh, what, what, oh, yes. Well, let me just yeah. go back. I'm sorry. Let me just go back a second. I said that Johnny Hicks was indicted for killing, uh, being an accomplice in the killing of Murphy. Well, Murphy... And Johnny went over to this guy's house. His name was Mel Myers. Okay. And this Mel Myers uh, had a chip cup there. And I don't know what Mel Myers' role was. I never knew. But in the process, uh, Mel Myers pulled a pistol out and shot Murphy. And that's how the cops came over when they examined the body and all, all that. They found the chip cup. That's how it was discovered. It was never uncovered by on the game or by some stool pigeon or so-so. Sorry, my Eric, I interrupted. No, no, all good. So Sharon Stone's character that 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 was based on real. So that, that was really they were less... dating years ago. Like they were. That was she. She was she was Johnny Hicks's original girlfriend, and and I believe she was. Uh, I want to say a, a light hand, a lighthearted prostitute, and she yeah. just went for the money, right. snatched and everything else. Lefty took a liking to her, and. Lefty started going with her. She, and then, but she still used to contact Johnny, and Johnny would contact her, and that's you know the way the movie made it look. But they made Johnny look like a bad guy in the movie. But I'm not saying he's perfect. But I'll, I'll tell you, one night Johnny call comes to my house at two o'clock in the morning. I lived in a condo off of uh, Desert Inn Road, and uh, and so he knocks on my door, and I was up because I got off of work and I'm home, and it was like two thirty in the morning, and he says, "Hey, I want to show you my dad's pistol." And I said, well, come on here. I don't want the neighbors to hear this, right? He brings in the, he brings the pistol in. He, Let me show you. Let's go out and shoot it. I said, Johnny, it's 2 o'clock. Can't wake everybody up. He says, no. So we set up a, I had an old thing. I put it in the fireplace. And he started shooting at, the, at this thing in the, my fireplace. I'll never forget that. I didn't put that in the book, I don't think. But uh, he was a nice guy, actually. Gino, you, were you born in Las Vegas? I, when you know when when normal people ask me that, I say I was left in a hotel room, and uh, I thought my parents were maids. No, no, <laughs> I was born in the in El, in Burbank, basically. Okay, and then you because I you know, so real brief history to our listeners. 
Um, so our good family friends are you know, the Casellas and Salzmans in California. We've known them through the travel industry for the last, I mean, what, 40 years now. And Gino is Paul Casellas. You guys are first cousins, correct? Correct. Yes. His okay. mother and my father were brother and sister. Fantastic. And we, you know, obviously we, we vacation with the Casellas. They're our, our West Coast family. Um, and Gino was always at these individual, you know, events throughout the years. Um, I will never forget going to see Penn and Teller in Las Vegas. I think we were with Garrett and Ryan, which are, um, you know, Paul's grandsons. And uh, it was Eric, me, Garrett and Ryan. And Garrett was called on stage for one of the uh, things for Penn. And after every Penn and Teller show, if you have to get that, Gino. No, guess who's calling? Paul Casella. <laughs> tell him you're on tell him you're on a live podcast. I'm gonna tell him right in right in front of you. Hold on. All right. <laughs> hey Paul. 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 Anyway, he's not could, there now. Could have been a butt dial. Um, so after the Penn and Teller show, and that was at the Rio, I believe. Um, or maybe it was at MGM Grand after the show, Penn and Teller go outside. And we, we already knew you for years at this point. And I asked Penn, because your name is synonymous in the magician magician's world. I asked Penn, I said, Penn, do you know Gino Munari? And he said to me, everyone knows Gino Munari. <laughs> How did you get into magic? And we're going to go back to Vegas because I, I could hear stories about the, the old days in Vegas for hours. I want to jump to magic because you, you're synonymous with that industry how did you how did you get like like they can't make a houdini movie for anything because of the rights how did you get the houdini magic shop rights like how tell us your I story i want to know how you magic. got into magic first okay so my mother uh used to be a, a um an usher at the pantages theater in hollywood and uh so you know i guess that was of course before i was born so uh her sister got a job from a guy that owned Hollywood Magic Company. And they had a little factory in, in the Van Nuys. And my aunt, I guess, helped them make little gags and tricks and things, mostly gags. And my mother helped started helping them. And then one day she told me, you know, the guy that owns this is a magician and he owns Hollywood Magic. He said, if you need any magic, uh, you know, Find something you want, and you know he'll give it to you for half price. So I said, "Oh my God!" I saw a magician once, and I, I kind of liked that. I saw a magician at Corriganville out in Thousand Thousand Oaks, and so I got a catalog from some other magic shop, and there was no magic shops in Burbank. There was one in Glendale, but I, I didn't never went there once or twice, and uh, so I got a trick from him, and and that's how it started. And, uh, and but basically. I was about 12 years old. It was the first or second day of summer. I'm at McCambridge Park in Burbank. I'm on the monkey bars. I slip, fall, and break my right leg. Ooh. And I mean, I broke it in two spots. And so my dad, you know, tried to leave my pain by diverting my attention. He went down to Hollywood Magic, bought me a trick, and brought it back. And I think that was the start of it. I was fascinated, but I couldn't do anything else. I was stuck at home for two months. And, and then, you know, I started learning a few things and I, I kind of enjoyed it. It was like a scientific puzzle and a lot of fun at the same time. I didn't mm -hmm. approach it as magic, like, whoa, 
No, I, I approached it as like fun. And right. uh, and I didn't try to say, look what I can do and you can't. I try to make it like, this is an interesting puzzle. Let's see if we can have some fun with it. And that, that's how it started with me. Then, you know, uh, years went by and um, I, I got associated with a couple of famous magicians. Uh, one was the Melinda, the first lady of magic, and uh, helped, helped put her name on the on the map. I did her public publicity mm-hmm. and was an advisor to her. And um, he always wanted me. I was in her show for I don't know how many performances. I was a stooge that was called on stage, you know, and and uh, she I acted like I was from Tennessee one day. And one day I'd act like I was from Czechoslovakia. You know, I had a lot of fun with that. And then <laughs> at the end of the show, I'd run around to the front of the theater with a camera around my neck and act like I'm looking for my partner, you know, who was with me or whatever. People would look at me and I'd listen to their comments as they come out of the show. You know, they did this, they did that. And it kind of helped build the show to a better thing. Anyway, after that was over with, uh, I just, I was, I got in, I was doing a magic show of my own at the, um, at the uh, San Remo Hotel. Uh, and this was like 1989 or 90 or something like that. And as I walk out of the hotel one night, I had a, I had a baby lion. I had him on my shoulders. And, I, and, I, and I'm loading him into the back of my Ford Bronco. And I look across the street in their building. I see the foundation of the MGM grow, going up, yep, right? Yep, yep. And I'm saying, you know what? I wonder if they could use a magic shop there. So I went, made an appointment, went over to see the guy, and that was the start of the first magic shop. So oh, how did you get? Hide. How did you get the name Houdini? Well, that's what I was going to tell you. Okay. So this is amazing. So, so I, I actually, uh, started using the name Houdini's Magic Shop with a trademark, and then I bought the Great Houdini trademark from a company in Canada, and then filed Houdini's Magic Shop as a trademark, and it, and it went through, and that's how I got it. And I have several, about 13 trademarks now. That's amazing. So the tricks that are in the shop, I mean, I must We've have been, played how many times? The, 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 the levitating card trick where you can have the card levitate and it kind of goes in between your, the, your fingers. The, the UFO. The UFO. UFO. Did, did, you, did you invent that? My son did. Oh, my God. My late son. My son passed away in 2008. I'm sorry. Oh, my God, that. Gino. I had no idea. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. And so... Uh, Anyway, I used to come to, we, we opened the store in 1994 at the MGM Grand, okay? But we couldn't use the name Houdini's Magic Shop. We had to use generic names like like there was a wood shop, a candy shop, and a magic shop. Mm-hmm. And behind the veil was Houdini's Magic Shop. So I used to come into work. They'd open it. And I'd come in about an hour later. And I'd come around the corner, and a card goes flying by my eye. Almost hits me in the face. And my my son used to scale cards. He'd take a card and throw it. He could throw it like 50, 60 feet through the air. I mean, unbelievable. Right. And uh, they did that every day. There's cards everywhere. Finally, they, they decided to, to take a trick that I did called a floating handkerchief, attach this, the magic thing to the card, and they spun the card. They solved all problems. And then we, we made that trick, and we were the first ones to ever do it like that. And it's copied by everybody and ripped off by everyone. And uh, uh, it's called the ultra floating object, and that's how that started. How did you? How did you hook up with? I mean, Penn and Teller and David. I mean, you probably know everybody in right. 
in that Copperfield, world. Magic. Copperfield would come into my store, you know, and uh, sometimes bring his girlfriend, Claudia Schiffer. It'd be in the back watching a pitch that we were doing. The pitches where you, you know, sell the magic two, three tricks, then they buy. Yeah. You, you, you call out the thing. And uh, he used to come in. He was very nice to me. And uh, Penn and Teller, I, I, you know, just got to know them. But then they started to become customers and they'd buy things occasionally and so forth and so on. What, what do you, why would they, why would they need to buy something from you? Is it because well, prop, you had something that they didn't? Well, a prop they may need, a standard prop. Like you needed a, a, a special deck of cards, okay? Right. A giant set of cards that did special things or something so, like that. So are you a distributor too? Uh, to some items, yes, yes. But now, you know, because of things are changing in retail, uh, we're trying to be more exclusive where you can't buy it anywhere else. So right. it gives us business. So unique items are the things that I try to sell. Uh, and we officially call our company uh, on the web the Houdini.com site. It's not called Houdini's Magic Shop called houdini.com and uh and so i have a store in san francisco uh, and i have a store in disneyland Inside that I, yeah paul mentioned that to us that you got the i think you were the you and starbucks were the only two brands outside of disney that were allowed in the in the, uh, actually i think it was that in the uh one of the other uh it was either the china company or something else but yeah we right. were very inclusive about that. They, they came to me by the way i was really? in Irvine. I was in Irvine in the Irvine Spectrum Center, and they they sent a guy over there and he asked us, "You want to go into Disneyland?" And we went to Disneyland. It's incredible. So, Gino, I have to show you something. I text my wife for her to get um you're not a, a deck a deck of cards. Now you, you are become terrible, <laughs> but you taught me this at a dinner. To all of our viewers, this is the you, you taught this to me at a dinner. Hold on, Jesus. it's not working. You got to practice. Yeah, I know it's been a while. Show that good. Now th rotate the hand around and show the other side. No, that I that I can't do. That's just, good. You, you for, remember for me? It stopped there. <laughs> we I, we know, just I, make a car, and I can also because I used to project the UFO trick so much, I can fling. Hey, the that's card. great. We that's used to. Great, we flew way. home after after you taught Eric that he sat on a six hour plane ride, and he was sitting I, next to me going like this the entire yeah, plane. You don't ride. know. You don't. You do not know the mark that you made on my life, Gino. You you, well, you, you really I don't. It, I hope it was good. I was mes I was mesmerized. I mean, I only knew you as as you know magician Gino. I didn't I didn't know the entire other history, which I'm excited to learn about. Um, but always fascinated and uh, definitely a, a dream to be able to 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 get you on here to to learn more. Well, I appreciate you asking. That's nice. And of you. I remember the other the what was that card trick where it would go up? You would turn it over, and there was like there was a weight, and I had that. You can't. You can't. Reveal the trick, Mike. Oh no, shit! Did I just blow it? You want to edit that out? Card trick. The, rising the rising card, card trick. And, and we right. make those. We make those. Are the all way, the who are all the Houdini still in the, the show? I know there was one in New York, New York. There was the one in MGM Grand. No, no more there. No more. The COVID thing destroyed us. Yeah. And uh, also, we had some internal problems with a certain employee. Very serious problems. Interesting. And um, anyway, that's beyond beyond us, and we're going forward with it. The new, the new so you new called page. you called Lefty Rosenthal to yeah I uh, might have to to take care of business actually I wouldn't have called him I would have called Fat Tony Salerno <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm sure your dad had a deal with him in New York City <laughs> I'm sure he used to hang we our, our one of our parents' first locations was in Corona and there was an Italian shop like right down the street and um you know if anybody they, got out of hand they they shut the garage door and that was it wow. <laughs> 
you know. <laughs> Corona, California? No, Corona, New York. Corona, oh, Corona, Corona, New York. Queens. Corona and Queens. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, the, the guy that was my my mentor in the Dunes Baccarat pit. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, and this guy was Vince Tagliatella, and what a guy he was. Um, I don't know how I could share my screen. I don't think I could do that, could I? I'm There's pretty no sure you can. On the bottom, if you click share. Let, let me see if I've got this here. Hold on just a second here. If sure. I've got it. This is one of the greatest interviews. Oh, my God. My like, whole... Eric, you should teach like Zach that, right? I try to. Ooh. I was always terrible. I had no mind. I'm going to share the magic. screen here. Just a second. Go it's going to, it's going to, you're going to, might have to fix me up here, but let's just sure. see if this works. Okay. Yep. yep. Can you see that? I think you have to show your screen. You have no. to do the camera. Okay. Hold on a second. You got to choose the, I don't know how to show video. No, I'm not showing video. No, he wants to share the screen. If you want, can you? Uh, can you? Oh, email? hold on, I got it now. Just a second. Okay. All Here right. it comes. That's me. Can you see me? Yep. There we go. Oh my God, that's amazing. That's the guy on the left is Vinny Vince Taglia Latella. Okay, and that's me. Look how young I look. Oh I mean, I can't believe that picture. God, how old and, were you there? You must have been like twenty-two. I was twenty-two. And there's yeah. a girl I, I met in Hawaii. She was a very nice girl. She was a knockout. Debbie Kai, her name was. Anyway, I'm going to go back to you guys now. Let's well, hold, yeah, do you have more pictures? Anything more you can You share sent here? me Muhammad Ali yesterday. You were you met the great one? Oh, yeah, many, many times. Many, oh many God. times. Now, how do I get out of this deal here? Uh, okay, there, there we are. Okay. Yeah, I, I knew him uh, quite well. And uh, he, was a, he loved magic. W one time... I'll tell you, want to hear this story? Sure. <laughs> Muhammad okay. Ali, go. So, so, so this friend of, of mine who worked at the dunes was his business manager at one time. His name was Gene Kilroy. If you watch the movie, the greatest, you see him in the corner in the battle of Manila, the actual film, you see him there, you know? And anyway, Gene was a friend of mine. And he says, so anyway, I'm driving my son to work. And it's like, a uh monday or tuesday morning and i i drive excuse me i drive my son to school and i'm going to go to work so i'm at a red light and this guy gene kilroy just happens to come up next to me and he says roll your windows down and i did and he says come on you got to go with me i said no i got to take my son to school he said, no 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 you gotta go with me this is i wouldn't ask you you have to go with me my kid says let's go let's go you don't even know what it's about and i parked my car i went with him he went and we picked up muhammad ali at the airport oh my god and then we then we went over to Caesars, and he, he said he wants to see magic. So I sat there with my son in Muhammad Ali, and uh, I think uh, Siegfried and Roy's manager was in the back of the room, but he wasn't involved in what I was doing. Anyway, I did magic for the for the champ. The first trick I did for the champ, the first trick when I met him, I says Muhammad, I says I want you to think of special three or four digit number. Can I show this picture, Gino? You, the one you yeah, sent sure. me yesterday. Yeah, I can't. I know how to get it up. Yeah, that's Gino with Muhammad Ali. That's Caesar's Palace, one of the sweeter. So, so I show that I said, Champ, I want you to think of a three or four digit number, and don't think of seven 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 or seven eleven. Think of something that means something special to you. 
I took out my business card. I have a pencil. And I said, I want you to concentrate. And I write down something, you know, and I put the pencil in my pocket. Then I said, I want you to hold your hand out. He puts his hand out. I put the card face down on top of his hand. And his other hand goes on top of that. I said, don't look. Now, just so you can't cheat me, and I don't know if, you know, you might have some fun with me. So you tell everybody here what number you pick before you turn it over. And he says, 375 or something like that. He turns it over and it was 375. He jumped. He couldn't believe it. He put his arm around me and I got another picture. You'll see. I, I can't. I hope I can find it. But I can't find it right this minute. Uh, but uh, you'll get it for the edit if you need it. And it shows his arm around me. It shows the, the, the card in his hand and the pencil. And, and it was, I got the number right. So then he, he just loved that. I mean, I mean, he loved it. And so anyway, you do another hour of magic. And I'm getting ready to leave with my son. And his manager comes over to me and he says, you got to teach the champ that trick. I said, I can't teach him that trick. You know, that's my specialty item. You know, that's how I get by. He says, but you don't understand. He's a magician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't teach him that. He said, I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you. So I really had to think about this. I mean, this was the day my kid was, he says, show him, show him. You know, so I said, well, I, maybe I'll show him. But I got to tell him something before I show him. So I raised my right hand. And I says, I want you to raise your right hand and I want you to swear to, I started to say swear to God, right? And I realized he's a Muslim. So oh my God. for some reason I said to him, I want you to swear to Allah. He jumps on the floor and he says, I swear to Allah. I swear to Allah. I ain't telling nobody. I swear oh. to God. We got, we hit it off from that day forward. I mean, he was just like the nicest guy in the world, actually. That's uh, incredible. Yeah. Do, do you, I don't know if, uh, so if you don't want to answer this, you don't have to, but do you have a spiritual practice? Because I know that most magicians don't believe in God, right? And, you know, I, I don't, and it's not a religious angle because I know Penn is specifically, he's very loud about not believing in God. There's well, no that's such thing one of the things I, I have a little bit of a problem with him because he, he, if you, you can believe what you want to in this country, uh, but, 100%. You know, he, but he wears a t-shirt uh, that's kind of, then, you know, kind of like disrespectful to people who do believe in Christianity or whatever you believe in. Right. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I believe in God. And I, it's just, to me, it's just conjuring. It's prestidigitation. It's quicker than the hand. There's no mystic power in what I do. And I would never tell anybody that there is. I've had people come up to me after a show. Say, can you, can we contact my brother? I said, come on, lady. I'm just, this is just fun. Right. I tricked you. You know, right. If I could, I'd be a billionaire. Yeah. Do we believe in? Do you believe in mediumship? No, it's bull. It's baloney. Really, really. Yeah. I, you know, you know, you know Houdini, our Houdini crusaded against that. Uh, in his later shows, he he did lectures of of exposing these fraudulent people, and they're fraudulent. I mean, I mean, you know, now, now things have happened. I'm not saying that every single person who's had some kind of an experience, which Eric, you may have had something in your life. And when your father passed away, Michael, you might've had some kind of a, uh, something. Huh? A mystical, right. A mystical experience, yeah. whatever and you want I to call it. I had something happen to me when my son died. That was incredible. And uh, I'll never forget that, but there was no paid medium to do that. Uh, and, and those people, they pre present these shows and they do these things and they collect money to do it. If it was a real thing, they wouldn't be collecting any money. Well, you know, our mother, right, Phyllis? 
Yes. You remember her? She, I do. She's actually a medium. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, you know, but, but she might believe in what she, something may have happened to her that might have been a, an experience that God gave her. That that doesn't mean that she's a medium goes around hustling people. No, no, no. She's no, no. certainly not hustle. You know. So yeah. my my question to you is where where does it cut off? So like that's fascinating that you say like the mediums are shysters, and I understand what you're saying. Where does what Penn does kind of like like draw the line where it's like you believe in God? Gino believes that there is a God, a higher power, but where does like where do you think that the mediums are bullshit? Well. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, what the issue is with, with him. Please, please. You know, uh, he, he, one night I was w up late watching a movie and the movie was over with. And just before the movie was over with on the movie channel or one of them, it says, Oh wait, coming up next is Penn Penn's experience with Johnny Thompson and how he taught Johnny Thompson, the ballad, uh, the ballad of something. I said, I might watch that. So I'm, I'm watching it. And this Johnny Thompson was a magician who did this, story with cards you know he'd he'd say uh, uh, turn a card over and tell a story you know that sort of thing so he's so it shows Penn practicing with his daughter okay and Penn was wearing a t-shirt you see this young girl I didn't know it was his daughter and she was about 12 years Moxie. old maybe Moxie yeah yeah and and so he's, he's he's doing this and he says uh I believe in Jesus on his shirt or something like that and below it it says I was just fucking kidding Excuse my language. Yeah, sure. That's what it said on the shirt. And I, I'm saying, how can I appreciate that? Here's a girl. I don't even know who this girl is. And the, the people that are watching this on DirecTV, they don't know who that is. How could you wear a shirt like that with a young girl like that? Now, that to me is way over the line. Mm -hmm. Okay? Believe what you want to, but that's there's a 14, 13-year-old girl. Should you be using that kind of language in her presence or have a shirt like that? Her that's way out of line. I, I know maybe I'm a little bit different and old fashioned, but right. I think that's what goes a little haywire. G uh, Penn's license plate says "Godless." I mean, he he is not afraid to yeah, voice. But, but, but I want to ask him a question someday. Uh, <laughs> and I don't want to get into an argument with him or anything, but because he's entitled to believe what he wants to and do what he of wants. Of course. But let me ask you this: How could you possibly exist in this world? And this has always been going on. You see the moon floating in the sky. You see all these things around you and say that there's no God or no nothing or no something. What, what then how did, if you believe in the big bang theory, where did piece A start from and who get started piece B? You know, it's a ridiculous thing to have that opinion. It's kind of mm -hmm. ignorant actually. Mm -hmm. we, so we, we, we're, we can't comprehend infinity. We can't comprehend it. And so to, to say that there's no God, how do you know? Well, I, well how, what are you an expert? How right. do you know? Right. You can't prove it. So and, do you, you know, so I, I think that the evidence says there's something to something and how you interpret it is according to your own particular belief. You know, I have we, to be raised Catholic. You're raised Jewish, I assume. Yeah. And I believe you believe in I, prophet Isaiah. So do the Catholics. You know, there's all kinds of things. You know? but, uh, I think there's but, a difference uh, between religion and, and spirituality. I don't, I don't want to interrupt you what you were going to say, Eric. No, it's okay. So do you believe in just birth to death? Or do you believe that there's something more beyond? Because if you, if I'm assuming you haven't watched any of our other interviews, and that's fine. But um, we've interviewed, I would, I would say, 40, 30 mediums at least. Thirty mediums, and and like this is a passion of ours, where where we discuss what's it like when you die, 
or uh, near life death experiences um, and the like. So what what are what are your thoughts on that? Because well, it's really interesting. I, I and will. also, I want to say before, before you start, you know, we're believers in magic with a K as well. I want to get into that, too. Um, but let's start with, you know, mediumship first and, and stuff like that. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, first of all, uh, you know what lucid dreaming is, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, you're in a dream. You don't know what even whether it's re real, whether you're alive or you're sleeping. Yeah. So, you know, you wonder how animals have this certain time that they're supposed to breed. Like I was watching a thing on bees the other night on National Geographic. I believe mm -hmm. it was, or BBC. And bees have a certain time where they breed and certain times where they don't. And then when they fly, they fly a perfect figure eight. What gives them that knowledge? Something, and everything has DNA built in. So, um, I believe it's possible that we can actually transmit a thought. We don't know how to do that because everything is magnetic energy. And, you know, I mean, think about it. Everything has a, a field and uh, an aura. And I'm using the wrong words probably because I'm not an expert at this. But I believe that a dream is like a, like a file. I mean, that file can it be transmitted from your head to another. How, how come twin brothers... Uh, this is interesting to me. Twin brothers grow up to be a certain age, and, and one part of town, like a guy lives, he's tw 25 miles from his brother. He has a heart attack, and the other one, 25 miles away, feels the heart attack. Right. I, right. I mean, there, there's some form of uh, where you just can sense something's wrong. I believe people have that. I believe people can sense when something's wrong. You know, I learned how to, uh, in the early days of the dunes, I learned immediately. When talking to somebody within 30 minutes, 30 seconds, I could tell if they were lying to me. Mm -hmm. A basic lies. I'm not talking about a complicated thing, but a basic thing. I could tell if they were full of crap or they weren't. I believe that's possible. And I believe we don't understand how it works. I believe someday we'll be able to stick a plug into our body and be able to understand the whole body and fix it. And, you know, these old fashioned things where you eat onions, it's healthy. You do this, it's healthy. But we don't even know what we do when we sleep. The body is a mystery when we sleep. 100%. The body is curing itself. So who knows about that? But as far as saying this is all there is, um, I have to believe from the scriptures that I don't believe this is all there is. I believe that there's more to this. And I believe there's probably, you know, when you watch an Outer Limits or you watch a, uh, a Twilight Zone, you know, people love that. But, you know, right in front of us are these things happening. I mean, you can have a feeling. You know what? I was thinking the same thing that guy was thinking two minutes ago when he just called me. Right. Oh, you know, I mean, that happens. So, you know, there's more than just this life. These frequencies fly all over the world. Okay? That's they fly fascinating. all over the world. That's, that, that is, that's fascinating. Eric and I have gone down this rabbit hole of magic with a K. And I don't know if you're familiar. I'm, I would, I'm assuming you I, are. I know exactly what you're talking about. Alistair Crowley, the magicians who manipulate energy of the universe, who who actually, you know, you, you do uh, the parlor get tricks, right? The, the Broadway show style, you know, cutting a woman in half type deal. How does someone do that? Is it demonic? Is it angelic? We real, real quick, we, you know, we do believe in mediums and there are a few that aren't good. There are a few that, that kind of, they go fishing and they do cold readings and whatnot. But then there are people that we meet who don't know who we are and then say that your dad is here and he's telling you this message. We heard from our father in one reading. I, I heard from my dad in one reading. And again, this guy didn't know who, who I was. And my dad came through and said, 
magic is real with a K archangels are real. Um, all the, all this stuff that like, you know, we didn't believe in this stuff when he was alive and he was telling me kind of like the secrets of the universe, right? That, 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 that law of attraction connection that you were talking about, right? That field of energy, the, the, the force that star Wars talks about, it's all real. And that that's gone since prehistoric times. What you talk about is magic of doing a trick with cards connecting with the unseen has been around since prehistoric times are are you in, involved in that at all do you do you know no. like that no yeah, no okay. i'm not but if you had a you, you guys should build a library first of all and if you found a library there's, there's books that explain the methods used to do these things right of course i'm not talking about the ones that says you take this and you boil this i'm talking about the ones that show you how to make it look like it's real okay right. so 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 if you believe in mediums, therefore, mediums believe in the hereafter. Therefore, mediums believe there is life after death, or they couldn't bring that person back to you. So, so basically, how do you know that this is all not really God's work? Who designed all this stuff, but didn't interpret it, because anybody can write what they want on this earth. You have free will. I can't tell you what to write. I can't tell you what to say. But... He, but but it was all brought here for us, and it's written in DNA. Everything right. has DNA. You know, uh, right. that's just my thinking. But you know, a mystery about this. Maybe it's a little off, off subject, but not too much. People were explaining gravity, and how do you explain gravity? You well, one thing pulls you to another thing. Well, it's really weird on Earth. You know, we know where gravity is. You drop a ball, it goes to the center, uh, right. no matter what angle you are on this earth. But when you get into a place and you leave the gravity of the earth, you, it's weightlessness. And then when you go to the moon, it's a different power of gravity there. You can jump higher. There's less gravity. There's less, there's less holding you to the surface. Mm -hmm. So that means that the earth has some kind of a thing in the center that attracts some molecule in every single thing of matter. That's what gravity is, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Everything that has any mass of anything, a pencil, a paper, it has some, it's some atom inside of that, that, that mass is drawn to the thing that's in the center of the Earth, a plus to the minus. And that's what gravity is. It's not just gravitational force, they, they call it. Right. It, it exists in the center of the, of the, of the unit that you're on. An asteroid may have it, it may not have it. But so so it has it's got to have something to do with with atomic particles of some kind. And so, you know, how could that just be? Right. Right. How could that just be? It, well, it they be call it they, they call it a, a cosmic crapshoot that we're a one in a ten to the trillionth power to be here. And I just don't believe that. I think there's got to be something bigger. We're way, we're all way too special for it to be that way. Well, you know, you know, I agree with you. You know that there's more, there's more, there's as many galaxies as there are stars in the sky, as there is sand on this planet Earth. There's, galaxies, there's, yeah. galaxies, not just stars. Yeah, right. about galaxies. And, yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe that, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, just, do you think there's just a wall there at the end that says stop? It's done. <laughs> right. I, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I sound ignorant to you guys because I'm not an expert at this, but that's my basic thinking. No, I, you know, I always, I always, listen, this is our first magician that we've, 
well, our first uh, trick magician that we've interviewed on the show because we've actually interviewed magicians before that um, who manipulate the energy of the manipulate universe. energy and whatnot. You know, like witches and warlocks type people. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's very it's very interesting to say the least. Let's let's now, shift gears here like for a second. Go ahead. I'll say it like this: a great magician cup. What's that? I won't turn my head. That was a, a Yiddish saying. Right. Old timers used to say. Right. I got to tell you, I just I want to say it like this. You know, yes, we believe in I believe in something bigger than just a guy in the sky saying, you know, good and bad and whatnot. Besides our wives and our daughters, there's no other woman on planet Earth that we trust more than our mother. And when when she's done these quote unquote mediumistic readings where she's sat with a stranger in front of Eric and me, and she's told this stranger who is Clem that wore the overalls. And this woman says that was my uncle who died 20 years ago. And he was a farmer in Tennessee. And he was a farmer in Tennessee. And my mom's like, did he used to bake bread or something? And she's like, yes, he used to bake bread every single Sunday. Like there was shit that completely out of her she didn't look up this guy. she didn't right. look up this guy on facebook she wasn't researching this guy could it been some mo jedi mind trick sure could she be connected to their mind psychically sure but i i like hearing what you're saying i like hearing the other side of things so gino eric you had a question about the dune oh did you want to answer the question about that's not really a question. It was more of a comment of like, we trust our mother to not research someone on Facebook and then connect them with their loved ones that have passed. Well, what's Gino's yeah, what's your take explanation on that? on that? Well, first of all, I'd have to ask a couple of questions to see how she set this whole thing up. And I would do this for anybody, not just your mother. And please don't take any offense by me questioning. None. None. Because my mother and father told me question everything, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, first of all, before she met this person, how was she introduced to him? How did um, she? This how particular, did this particular, the one about Cleo. Yes. Um, that particular, we were actually on a client call, and it was the first time we were meeting a client. We were on a Zoom, and then at the end of the phone call, she says, "I'm sorry, I have to stop here. I'm getting a message," and then she just goes into it. I mean, did she know who this client was? No. 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 Ref no reference. No. No. And she and never asked all... any question. No. No. That you know that you know about. Correct. Correct. I yes. mean, could have she have contacted this client before? It's a possibility, yes. Okay, so these are the things that would interest me. Because when a guy does a cold reading, okay, usually the way it used to be done in a theater sort of situation, he'd have an assistant in the front of the theater lobby mm -hmm. walking up to people with a special, they call it a clipboard, okay? The clipboard looks like a standard clipboard with a piece, one piece of paper under the clip, and, and, he, and the, the, the assistant would say, oh, uh, Eric, uh, do you have any questions for Mr. Minari tonight, our medium, mm -hmm. our psychic, our psycho, or whatever you want to say? And he'd say, yes. Okay, what is it? You just write it right there. Okay, just keep that. Thank you. Just hold on to that, fold it up, and put it in your pocket. Underneath the clipboard, is a fine piece of carbon paper that gets inserted. And she takes that piece out, puts that in her pocket, she puts another one in there, and so forth and so on. And they pick up information this way. So that medium 
those questions get dumped into a place where the medium right. can get them. I can Treskin, Treskin and, and, and Dunninger did this act. It was the most unbelievable act I've ever seen in my life. You'd say, how did that happen? So he gets the question, and the medium would say, there's a Mr. Leo in the audience tonight. Leo, I, 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 sense, I, I sense your presence. Would you please stand? The audience doesn't know that he, he's involved or anything. And everything right. looks pure. And mm -hmm. then you can do cold reading. Leon, there's someone. Anyway, I, I, I just want to just say, you know, I, I don't I'm, we are not trying to convince you. I, I love your side of the story. Right. I like that. There are shysters <laughs> out there. It's a different, different point of view. Yeah. My mom, my brother and I, we used to go and we're, we're planning on doing it again. We would go live on Wednesday nights on air, just the same format that you, me and Eric are in right now. And it'll be our mom on the bottom, Eric and I on top. And Eric would then email. To all of our listeners, I'd we put out a. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I saw the banner, but I'd put out. If you um, want to be read by a medium, yeah, right, I'd put e out this. Email this. Email this. What this email address, and we would get. That's interesting. We yeah. would get. We would get random people. Uh, some were friends of ours from high school, but people that I have never seen or met, or my mom has never seen or met, or my brother has never seen or met before in our lives. And when she was doing this, she's gotten much better since we were doing those live shows there was this one guy who i didn't know who's i don't know who this guy was but he he called in right he emailed in and my mom connected with him with his dead brother and said you're rob or robin i don't remember what it was but it, you know she and she was talking about you know did he like to play and again i'm just paraphrasing did he like to play golf or race cars and he's like yes and the guy was bowling his eyes out and as, as someone you you know our mom right <laughs> you know we're no strangers here gino she what what was transpiring when i was watching it live that i know my mother didn't talk to this guy beforehand and eric and i certainly weren't with a clipboard before trying to get this guy's information because we were picking random people out of a crowd there's something to it and well, whether well there, there there is and it's a science called cold reading to some of this now <laughs> remember this you, you, i don't know if someone tells you they can foretell the future that's impossible because the future hasn't happened yet that's impossible. But about the past, they can tell you about the past because the past has ha has happened, and there's plenty of ways to revive it. For for instance, I'm going to give you a little stupid theory. Please. Let's suppose that I get outside and I yell, "The Dodgers won the game tonight." Right? Yeah. Okay. I could go to the moon, and I haven't heard that the Dodgers won yet. It's, but I'm a, but but now. I'm getting the waves from the earth that says the Dodgers won tonight. So that is really the past. I'm, you said it won. I'm getting it, and I'm getting ahead of it. So now it's coming to me for the first time. It's hard to understand what I'm saying, I guess. I, I get it, yeah. 100% right. But sound waves travel at 700 miles an hour. Right. 800 miles an hour. So speed of light travels 365,000 miles per second. So when you turn the light on, you know it's on boom. But when you hear somebody say something or hear a noise, it takes quite a long time before you hear it. So you're actually, it's the past, but you're bringing the past back up again. It's, it takes that much time to get to you. So, so Interesting. Somebody, so, so, you, so actually, if there was some way that sound could travel through space, which I don't know that it can uh, physically uh, under the laws of physics, you could get, you could hear everything that was ever said by any person if you got to the right ahead of that frequency and could, and could, could receive it. 
that's just my thinking, you know. Uh, Interesting. About theory. But I, I, I got to tell you, I, I think about death a lot. You know, we're all going to go there. Yep, sure. My cousin Paul used to say, heck with everybody but six of them. They're the ones that are going to carry the pine box. I'm on sure our grandfather's know. headstone, it says knocking them dead all but six. <laughs> That's a good coincidence. And Paul, so, I'm sure either my grandfather got that from Paul or Paul got that. But like they were, they were like-minded like that. That Yes. Yeah. There's going to be six it's people so, carrying your body to, to know, the ground. In my family, you know, I'd be very apprehensive to even discuss things like that with my cousin Paul. I, no, I'm serious. It's like we, my uncles and aunts, none of them. The only one that was religious was Gary, who passed away. Right. Yeah. And, and I, you know, when I used to go fishing and hunting with my dad and uncles, you know, I was told you have to go to church on Sunday. That was the way I was raised. They get mad at me because I had to had to go to church on a Sunday when we're out fishing. But that was, you know, that was in my head. You know, and I got a lot of fulfillment. I still get a lot of fulfillment out of it. Makes me feel good. Right. You know, it, it, it's just something that I was raised, and that's the way I'm raised. And I'm not going to change my my opinion. It's because the crowd says so. But you know no, what? You shouldn't, right? I mean, you look at this whole thing. I mean, how does it work? How does these? How does the Earth go around the Sun perfectly? And you know, in every year, the minor, a minor inch is going closer and closer and closer. Eventually, it's going to run into the Sun. That's going to be the end of the world. Eventually. How long is eventually? Nine I mean, trillion years. Who knows? We have no idea. The three but of us won't be here to see it, so it really but doesn't how matter. How can this naturally just? happen by itself it could right. not right it's designed intelligence but it's interesting to me where you draw the line yeah you know What's what i mean that? where it's interesting to me where you draw the line in respect to where you believe that there is a higher power but then you draw the line that we can't connect with the dead it's, it's interesting well, to me that that's well, where I you don't draw know. it I, I don't i don't know no i didn't say that exactly you may be able to there may be a way that's that that Dead people who are, who are lasting forever, according to my my thinking, maybe you can communicate with them. Maybe there's certain people who can communicate with them. Everybody can. From what from what from the many interviews that we've done, and we've done many interviews. Everybody I has agree the with that. I, I I agree with that. When my son died, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, it was the hardest thing for me to get over. Sure. It's been a little over ten years now, so it's a little better, but it's still difficult. But let right. me tell you what happened the night that he. The day that he died, I came home, and I wanted to be alone. So I put my alarm on my house. I sat in a chair in my living room. I have a low table, and I put my feet up on the chair. In the middle of the table is a vase with silk roses, red roses. I just sat there and was thinking about him, and I fell asleep. Now, my feet could not knock over the, the, the vase because it was in the middle, and it was too far away from me. Right. Okay? And so about an hour, I think I woke up and I looked and I, without thinking, I see two roses crossed at my feet. And I thought I knocked them over. And without thinking, I picked them up and put them back in the vase. I didn't even think about it. You know, I didn't think about it until then. Well, where's my phone? And I went to the kitchen. There's my phone on the counter. I've got an open house. It's like one great big room. And there's, there's my phone. And next to my phone are two more roses crossed. And I have no explanation of it. That's a mystical experience. And, and I wasn't nuts. I, I wasn't drunk. You know, so those are the kind of things I, you know, I, I think uh, 
uh, you know, the, the, our religion tells us that the, the soul stays with the body for a certain amount of time and then it leaves. And, uh, and maybe you can communicate. I'm not saying you can. I'm not knocking what your mother's doing. But the only yeah. thing I question about any medium is how they know specific details about the person, like a phone number and a, a brother. That's the part that's yeah, a little. But that's not really what it's real mediumship in our opinion. It's that's not really what it's like. It's, a medium is going to give you evidential things that you can't Google and you can't so, find online. So, 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 you know, really of what your mother's doing, I wouldn't categorize it because the medium makes it sound a little carnivalish for me. Okay. That's for me. That's, that's for me. But right. another word, if you, how do you know she's not, doesn't have the power to communicate with, with people and maybe God gave her that power. That is what it is. She's got something know. that you can't do and I can't do, but, 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 Classifying her as a medium kind of like says uh, it, it just it, it t takes down what she really can do, the power. It's got you, it, you associate a bad taste with mediumship Correct. because there's been so many shysters with it. So maybe medium isn't the right word for what yeah, maybe you does. should come up with a new word for this. Right. I mean, I, I mean you I'm know, not kidding you. Right. There's, right. A, there's a gentleman by the name of George Anderson, and in our opinion, he is like the Cadillac of mediumship so to speak is he, is he from oh, chicago no he's uh, long island there's Scientifically a huge tested. huge long island community of of mediums for whatever reason but when he has to put down like when he's filling out a bank application he says that he puts down grief counseling as his occupation not mediumship that's kind of interesting so so you know i mean some people there's no question i think some people have these certain abilities that their body you know just like they're, they're almost like so different that their brain might be more developed if they can do, they can actually take and receive things that normal people can't do. As I told you earlier, I think that we can do, uh, they can telegraph information from one brain to another. I believe yes. it's possible. Gino, the, these, these people, we, we interviewed Suzanne Northrup, George Anderson, uh, world-renowned famous mediums. They were double-blind tested. Edgar Casey too. Yeah. 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 Right. They, these people were double blind tested and they scored it over 90% accuracy. Well, th there you go, you know. Uh, and then, you know, if you bring up another subject, remote viewing, I don't know if that's. Oh, accurate. we love that shit. It's crazy. But, 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 that, that, but even the CIA uh, kind of puts that down that it does not really, uh, most of them are, are, are fake. The guy, that, the guy that quote unquote taught our mother how to listen to these souls that have passed on was with. The government in this remote viewing there was a guy mcdonald mcgonagall something he's got a book on amazon he they worked for you know the government that that there was they were remote viewing documents in foreign countries from dc you know so it's like, like it's like uh mk ultra uh yep. it, yeah, it, yeah. And, and, you, and you know about the cia how lsd got to san francisco don't you no it got to san no. francisco because they trained they gave it to people to see how they would react. And they gave it to people in bars, and then they would, would watch them. That's a true story about LSD. That's how it got into San Francisco. I love this. This is crazy. <laughs> this is awesome. But Michael and I have to wrap up soon because we have another meeting we're going to have to get to. But before we do, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the Dunes Hotel book. Yeah, I'm um, glad we got to mention that a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> well, this is you know, this is how it goes. But yeah. listen, we'll have a part two. Um, the Dunes Hotel, the mob, the connections, the stories. Uh, what made you write that? Because I, I believe if I hadn't have written it, it would have never the stories would have never gotten told. 
like the gentleman I showed a picture of you to, uh, Vince Tagliatella, which is, I can't bring it up right now, but anyway, this gentleman here told me one day, he said, he said, Gino, he says, you know, I can't be fired from the Dunes Hotel. He pointed to himself and I didn't get it. He said, yeah, I, I can't be fired from here. So how, how could that be possible? Right? So he was a guy that had some connections. He also was a bookie. And he also was a Shylock and he still was a, a boss in the Dunes Hotel Baccarat. How could that be possible? Well, meaning his guy, he said one day to me, his guy would pay $50,000 just to walk through the lobby. Because he couldn't show up there because he would be picked up by the FBI. So uh, I wanted to tell the story because no one knows these things. Who's right. going to remember all these stories that I saw? And I can I remember so many things and I wrote them all down. and They just seemed to come to me like, you know, retrieving that file from my head while I still could do it. And um, the gaming control board, by the way, you know, I, one day I was looking for a picture of a famous gambler that owned a casino. They couldn't help me. And they're the ones that give the licenses out. Right. So, you know, that's kind of a there's good people that work there. Don't get me wrong. But the, the idea that their records are protected by Nevada revised statute law makes it impossible to get any any information. So I wrote the book because I wanted to tell the story and I wanted those guys to be remembered. I think they would, would have liked it to see that they somebody told the true story to the best of their knowledge. That's incredible. When's the book coming out? Uh, it's January the 12th. They're mailing there's, there's, they're mailing it. It's Will it be available on Amazon? Yeah, everywhere. everywhere. It's, uh, you can look at trineday.com. T-R-I-N-E-D-A-Y.com. And uh, you can look on for Amazon and search it. The Dunes by Gino Minari. You'll find it. And they're shipped, you know, they, they're just making advanced orders. Um, my website is Gino Minari, G-E-N-O-M-U-N-A-R-I.com. Uh, and uh, I hope everybody reads it. They might get a big bang out of it. I Eric yeah, no, and I, I read, read it. it when you when you sent us the PDF. It was it was really fascinating. I absolutely loved um, the, uh, the the whole Lester Diamond thing. That, I love. They got the, a real kick out of that. I love the history of of what you experienced. I mean, you were in the thick of Vegas's. I don't even want to call it a renaissance. I mean, the renaissance really happened when Steve Wynn opened the, the Mirage. The gold, it's the golden years. The go Did you know Steve Wynn? Yeah, I met, yeah, I knew him. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not as household friend but i know him i've there met was him a, and i've talked to him before there uh i don't I, we call this jewish geography on long island but we have a friend uh his name is sammy and his dad was a big time guy back in the day with lefty and spilotro and all those guys did you know morris ehrenberg i know i know uh, murray ehrenberg Mur oh, so maybe it's murray then i mean, yeah, I mean murray's, I to... a, murray's a close friend of mine really so he, he was one of my first bosses at the dunes hotel he yes was, he worked at the, at the Stardust, and uh, uh, in fact, he's he's got credit. You look, you I gave him credit in the pre, in the preface. Did Murray you? Ehrenberg. So you know, do, do you know his son Sammy? Uh, he was married. You know, an unfortunate issue. You know about his one wife uh, that was no. absolutely unbelievable, beautiful, and she became a lesbian. You know that? Oh no, I actually didn't and, know uh, that. I don't know if we can air this, Eric, but okay. <laughs> I, if it's the same guy, but M M Murray. Murray is a top-notch AAA guy. Uh, Sammy is the, so Sammy's a client of ours. Um, we worked with him at our. We own a limo. You know, we own a limo service in Las Vegas, and we know the guys that have built the town. Right, like in order to get into the hotels, you got to know the right exactly. guys. 
and today it's all about procurement, right? It's all about like, you got to have an upstanding license and insurance and all nine yards. The days of like the golden handshakes, those are gone. Those are way gone. But like we met Sammy when we started working at the Aria, I, we know we knew Sammy at the Mirage and we just had the opportunity to start working with, with the Aria. And um, Sammy's like, yeah, my dad was, uh, was um De Niro's it was Don Rickles in the movie Casino and I'm like oh my god that's that's incredible but um that's so funny that you guys are good friends I we I gotta tell Sammy that you know uh there, there's a, there's a guy that had a limousine service by the name of Richie Gordon take a look at that in the book look in the index and look that up it's this interesting story about the Stardust and about the mysterious finder's fee that was given to uh Todd Durlacher read that in the book that's an interesting story. Richie Gordon, uh, who had a, who introduced this. Anyway, he, he's also a, a, a driver guy. You got to look at, look that one up. Interesting. In the book. Well, before we before we go, why the Dunes Hotel? Was that just the epicenter of where everybody hung out in those days? Well, the Dunes was uh, was built in uh, opened in 1955. The original owner was a mob guy uh, connected from Ted uh, was Pet, Patriarca from New, New England. And a couple of other guys that he had as fronts. And then they went through some tough times. And uh, some guys that were associated with the Sands and uh, bookmaking in St. Louis bought the dunes. They bought the lease to run the operation. And uh, they brought all their friends there. And then they started bringing junkets in. The junkets from all major cities. You know, they could do business with mob guys. The mob guys in the local city of Detroit and in Cleveland and so forth, they're not going to let a junket go to the dunes unless they, they're involved in some way. And they knew all the gamblers who played. They knew bookmakers. They knew people who had cash. They knew the restaurant operators. So the dunes became a, a, a hub. And they also had a great poker room. Some of the greatest players in the world played there. That's when you could play short cards, which you can't do today. Short cards meaning other than the game that's assigned to the table, which is like uh, – uh, hold them, right? You couldn't, you couldn't play gin rummy there if you wanted to, or turnover, or, or clabiash, or whatever. So you, anything would happen there. You, you never know what's going to happen. I, one of the mornings I went was uh, after work. I stopped at the dunes for breakfast. And I was like about eighteen. I saw I saw a pot of a hundred thousand dollars in a poker pit. So oh my god, how long has this been going on? You know, you know, I couldn't believe it. And I just was fascinated by it. So. Uh, the dunes became the place where everybody went. It was the place. The well, best shows, the best food. You did, you did the world um, a, a good deed by, by documenting it. And like you said, if you didn't do it, no one else would. So um, I encourage everybody in, in, in January, uh, check out the Dunes Hotel, uh, the book on Amazon, uh, search Dino Minari. And you can also check out his website, um, and uh, it was really great having you on, Gino. Thank you okay, for sir. thanks again showing me my love of magic. I'm already Gino. We want you on again, man. I, I, I want to hire you, by the way. <laughs> like, hey, by the way, tell your mother hello, and please uh, tell her I won't uh, quit my yeah, day job. If you're interested, Gino, we'd love you to have a reading. I don't know. Well, if she knows too that you guys know too much about me. But how about if I bring somebody with me? She knows sure. nothing about. Sure. Fair enough. I'd like to do that. I really would. Uh, yeah, let's do it. We would I, I too. Want, I want to experience that. Uh, so would we'll, we? We'll set it up. We'll set it would up. You, I would, would you do it recorded? You want to do it on air here? Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, we happy to. It'd be fantastic. Right, yeah. yeah, but we should do another one about the dunes because we never really got into the dunes. 
Okay. And listen, so, we'll we'll do we'll we'll have the other person on a blank screen, no name. Let's let's do a double blind test for my done. Mind. I'd done. like to do it. Yeah. That'd I'm be in. Good, that'd be interesting. And I, I certainly would uh, I'd like to see that. I really would. That'd All be right. incredible. Gino, we love you, man. This love is you too. this was amazing. And we are so happy. We we know Paul and we know you through Paul and the Casellas and And we and the next time we're in Vegas, which um I think will possibly be in the next few months, we'd love to maybe we'll meet up somewhere, go out to dinner. You, did, or something. you know, he's coming up here toward the end of the year here. Yeah. Paul's uh, coming up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. They I know they travel there frequently. And you know, we um we had places there and then obviously when the old man passed, you know, we 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 didn't want we didn't want to do it anymore. But I, I Vegas was our is it, Vegas is our town, man. That is our city. We love the great, great city, it really is. I, I I proposed to my wife in front of the Bellagio fountains. We got married at the Bellagio, you know, like that's what the old dunes was, by the way. I, right I know, I know. And my you know, we knew out we found out my, we were having a boy when we were in Vegas, the greatest nights of my life had been with my brother, my wife, you know, well, it's it, nice to see you guys doing this show. I had no idea you were doing the other thing though, what you talked about. No idea about that. I just oh, thought about, it was an interview show m yeah. about my books and everything. Yeah. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, no, I'm a writer. I'm a published author. I wrote a book called Monsterland, and you know, <laughs> the, the mediums have all said it's going to become a huge movie, a huge success. So, you know, whether or not that's true or not, you know, they definitely, they see some big stuff going on. Um, but I, yeah, I, I've written, I, I published and, you know, we could, well, we'll talk more off air about, you know, how we could help you out with, you know, the, well, you know, you never know. Role. And there's plenty of, there's plenty to share. Something like that could be a really, you know, I, I know this uh, from my little research I've done. The young people today are fascinated by the mob. They're yes. fascinated by old Vegas. So I think there's, there's stories there. And I watch, all these Netflix shows that they're, they're producing their own. And those guys are the smartest guys in the world. You know why? I mean, here they, they were sending DVDs out for years. You know, you get you send it back and you watch it. Then yep. they decided they have the audience. That's like owning the movie theaters. So now they make the movies. They got a built-in audience. 100%. I, I, you can't get any smarter than that. Yeah. No, it's a great service. And Gino, and, we want you uh, to come on again. We definitely want to discuss the, the dunes more with you. I mean, we could talk. I want to hear stories and stories. good. And um, hang on one second. We're going to sign off. Everyone go to GinoMunari.com. Pick up The Dunes when it comes out in January of 2022. It's going to be available on Amazon. Like, subscribe, and share this show. We leave comments. Yeah, yeah, leave comments. We appreciate everybody tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Gino, hang on one second. Bye, everyone.